Welcome to Tenant Men. Welcome to Tenant Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by my co-host, uh, Kevin. Uh, and together, we are going to complete a methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. Uh, each episode, we're going to do a minute-by-minute analysis of the film and at the same time conduct our own temporal pincer movement. What I mean by that is I'm going to, I am going to be on the red team and do a 60-second review from the beginning of the movie, and Kevin is going to start from the end of the movie doing a 60-second uh, review from that and over time we're going to meet up in the middle of this movie and with that let me pass it over to you kevin yeah uh if if you're here i'm assuming you're a fan of tenant which means you're probably a fan of christopher nolan because if you're not a fan of christopher nolan and you you probably just stopped watching this movie at some point <laughs> or watched it to completion had no idea what you saw and never thought about it again but i think Myself and my friend Steve, we have been Christopher Nolan fans for a long time. Um, I it's some of his movies are my favorite movies that I've ever seen, um, and I was all on board for this movie. And I've seen it probably five or six times through to completion at this point. And there are still many things that boggle my mind about it, um, which is what led me to contact Steve about. Um, trying to figure this out <laughs> this movie out why i like it and why i hate it at the same time um is that fair to say steve do you think <laughs> i think it's spot on uh, i also want to add uh when you brought this concept to me i'm not gonna lie i thought it was dumb and i thought it would never work <laughs> but then after doing my first couple minutes and taking notes i thought holy shit i think can we swear? I think you're onto something. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think you're onto something here. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to learn a lot through this journey. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think there's going to be some unexpected surprises thrown our way. E yes. I think there are going to be dense minutes and there are going to be minutes. We're going to have to kind of um, expand upon the greater uh, influences of Nolan, but there's um, he's one of the greatest directors out there working today. That's creating um, original concept movies with huge budgets, great actors, uh, cinematographers and um, musicians and everything. So there's a lot uh, to discuss and there's a lot of great artistic works to uh, his film, this film in particular uh, too. So there's go it's not just going to be talking about what's on screen. We're also going to be talking about physics and what, <laughs> what that is and how that works and time travel concepts, other uh, kind of time travel movies. So there's many things uh, to discuss beyond just trying to figure out the text of what this film's about, but also the themes, which they're there, but they're hard to pin down at times. Um, this is not a simple film. Um <laughs> To, to, to put my thumb on and say this is what that movie is about um it's not simple i have also no. watched it uh many times i think i've watched it more than six times to be honest and i don't understand a lot of it i've watched a lot of youtube uh explanations of what's happening some of it makes sense some of it doesn't and maybe just maybe 
through the course of this first season of Tenet Men. We're going to, we're going to maybe learn a little bit more, or maybe we're going to learn that we actually know nothing about what's happening. In the <laughs> case, I'm excited to get there. Yes. I'm, I will meet you at the beginning. <laughs> I'll see you at the beginning, friends. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. <laughs> that should be our sign-off. <laughs> put a pin in that and save that. Great. All right. Are we ready to start talking about the very first minute of uh, this film? And as stated, we are going to be started. We've generally come to the consensus um, throughout multiple Blu-rays that we own and looked at and other streaming services that um, the... Title cards tend to end at 21 seconds into the movie. That's where we're beginning our counting of um, the minutes. And also, serendipitously, um, the movie cuts to black uh, just before the credits roll at 2 hours, 23 minutes, and 21 seconds. And that's those are the two markers of it's perfectly 144 minutes we'll be covering. So coming at you, 144 episodes of this, starting with the very first minute. Well, it's actually, it's half of that. Because <laughs> we're doing two minutes per episode, really. So That's true. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss. Are we stopping when we cross over? I don't, no, or are we I, both continuing on? <laughs> what, happens, what happens when we cross the streams? Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get, yeah, and you're you're watching the Blu-ray. I bought this on YouTube Movies, and I think the times sync up perfectly too. Okay, so okay. we confirmed that. So we we we're, our test is valid. Uh, our experiment is starting <laughs> off on the right foot. Shall we jump in? Yes. Okay. Here's how this is going to work. I am going to just read through my notes on exactly what's happening, right? We're not going to play the movie for you. We're just going to talk through each minute. And I want you to interrupt me uh, as frequently as possible because I know, I, know, <laughs> I know you have questions. And, and, I don't, I, and yeah. as you read, I have the screenplay as uh, published here. Um, I got this off Amazon. Uh, credited to Christopher Nolan, the complete screenplay with storyboards. That's uh, really well prepared on your end. I should do the same. Yes. And I should let you know that the first minute uh, is about this much text. <laughs> My fingers are very close together. <laughs> well, that's, I think there's a lot happening here. So let's just get, let's just jump in. All right. Okay. So 20, 21 seconds, right? Uh, we have a view of a stage orchestra. Instruments are tuning. Uh, they are getting ready for a show. A uh, couple seconds later, gates start to drop. This freaks me out a little, right? Because I guess a little bit in that I know what's going to happen, but I just have never been in like a, a stadium or an orchestra where the gates drop down from the ceiling like that. That is, that is menacing. Is that to, to improve the acoustics? Maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, that or just to set up a terrorist plot because this <laughs> is in Ukraine after all. I don't know. It's ominous. It's creepy. Uh, and it's just so, so fitting for this movie. So mm. kudos to finding this, this, this it's, arena. We're starting, it's the start <laughs> of an orchestra. The orchestra's tuning up. If you've ever seen a live play, you can kind of start hearing that just as the lights go down. Yes. So, kind of, uh, Nolan kind of calls his shot sometimes where he's like, this is going to be, I'm going to impress you. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it quickly gets to amazing, which is what, which is wild here. So gates dropping down. Then we cut to a guy in a van tuning a radio. So if you have instruments tuning, the sound of the instruments tuning is still being played. And now you have a guy tuning a radio. Uh, so obviously that was, uh, that was intentional, I think. 
Um, and then from there, we cut to a like a luxury box in the seats. Well, the static on the radio. So was that backwards talk? Oh my god, I didn't pay that close attention. But is it? <laughs> is it? It's it's, indis- it's it's indistinguishable. Um, I yes. don't actually see it in the script, so it might have been something added um, afterwards. Um, but it's it's also key to note that I'm assuming. By the way, spoilers. We're talking about the entire movie in each <laughs> one of these minutes. Um, the whole Stalag Seven thing is going on conceptually at the same time as this. Right. So the end of the movie is happening concurrently with the events right now, um, in a big loop. Palindrome. So, the movie is a palindrome, right? That, the title yeah. the movie is a palindrome. The movie itself is a palindrome. You start from where it begins. So that could be right. the soldiers fighting over in Stalag, or it could be the it could be the operation that's going on at the at the Ukrainian uh, opera house. That so you've already blown my mind in the first <laughs> in the first ten seconds of this movie. My mind is already blown. Uh, I think you're right. So it's I mean it's 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 either spoken word uh, in you in Russian, which I can't speak, mm-hmm. or it is backwards, which makes a whole lot more sense. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable. Got goosebumps. Okay, <laughs> so we have the radio. Uh, we should try and figure out if that's true. We cut to this uh, box now, this like luxury box inside uh, the opera house. Uh, we see, uh, we, we get the feeling like, okay, these character or this character is going to play a kind of a critical role in the next couple of minutes here. Uh, and it also looks just like a really dope luxury box, right? They've got like these nice chairs, nice lamps, got a flute of champagne. Uh, I want to be in that box is what I'm saying. Uh, I've never been in a box. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean... Neither have I, right? But oh, just... I figure if anybody, you be you go to more games than I do. Uh, <laughs> okay, actually, something like that. That's true. I mean, I guess for like a football game, yeah, I've been in like the the boxes with the buffets and stuff. But yes, you're right. Okay, it's fun. It's a good experience. But no, it's not like that luxurious. This looked nice, right? Oh yeah, um, these are these are one percenters. Absolutely. Okay, so this is honestly all of that that I just talked about is like the first 35 seconds, right? We are already mm-hmm. 35 seconds in, uh, got a view of that box. 56 seconds, this is when this is when things get real. Uh, we have our conductor on the stage. He taps the music stand with his baton, right? The signal to get the orchestra ready to start playing some music. Uh, the tuning stops. The musicians prepare to play their first notes. Four seconds from there, uh, big uh, music drop, awesome, you know, Christopher Nolan-esque, uh, heavy, heavy, just tones, uh, gunshots, uh, are heard and masked men enter the stage, right? Uh, this is exactly at the one minute mark. Uh, and it is violent, right? It is a violent (laughs) entry of these masked men. There's a, like one of the first things happens is like this guy, grabs the bass from the bassist and drops it to the ground. His motion, like, it looked like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Like, I don't, like, there's something about just the way he does it, and maybe it's the camera work or something, but, like, it was just, like, it could have been Bane, Um, (laughs) which was also just, like, an awesome little nod, I think, to... Is that that when they steps on it? Is is it a bass or a cello? That's a cello. I'm 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 getting to that. I'm getting to that, actually. (laughs) I have some some notes about that. Um, (laughs) So the bass gets thrown down. 
we cut to 109. We cut back to our luxury box. This guy, he actually looks more confused than like worried. It's actually an interesting look on his face. Uh, and then he's looking around the box and he's got some armed guards in there and he's looking to like, it's, it's I, I, I'm actually not sure. Right. But he, he's got an interesting look on his face. Um, like he, he kind of knows this was going to happen, but also apprehensive. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. More like, was this supposed to happen? Right. <laughs> Not like he knew, but like, wait, was this scheduled for right now? Um, so that happens. He's got armed guards in there. I think that's telling us something that's going to happen later on. We cut back to the stage. Now the cello gets stopped. Seems, this, some of this is like, seems very unnecessary. Right. So like this guy like stomps on a cello and then he slaps music off of the stand and then knocks the stand over. Right. And it's, again, it's very violent and it's supposed to be, you know, a big show. Right. But it's just like, these are like, they're not professional like terrorists, right? Because like these are like these are people that just didn't get enough love as children or something. Um, these well, I, we have to assume that these are satyrs men, which would be Ukrainian terrorists. Yeah, for hire, <laughs> being paid in gold bars that may or may not be inverted. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a level of professionalism. Uh, varies widely across terrorists yeah i think so um, they're, they're at least highly um if not highly skilled uh they're well paid and equipped because they have some ga- they have some batman villain level gadgets that will come up probably in the next minute where that we have to talk about how these things work yeah i mean I, they're, they're effective i guess right but it's like mm-hmm. did he need to stomp on the cello it's like eh, did he need to like knock music off a stand like what is what is, what, what is that is, That's... is is that christopher nolan going fuck music like because this this <laughs> the score to this is like nothing you've heard before it's true right it's, yes yes yeah it is it is like nothing i've heard before it is a very very interesting score uh just that persists throughout the movie uh anyway it was just worth <laughs> noting right because like if i'm if i'm hired to do a job like something like this right like i'm not gonna like just gratuitously start breaking cellos and <laughs> knocking down music stands right uh yeah. but maybe it's all it's all to scare people and it works right it works um and then the at the at the one minute mark right this is where my minute okay. ends uh the armed men start entering the seating area uh-huh and that's it. Okay. So I just a few follow-up questions. Um, uh, we've mentioned Tenet as a palindrome. I think uh, we need to mention the, the Tenet Square, um, which is something that was uh, an archaeological find that was found, I think, in Pompeii, um, where this name derives from. So the Tenet Square um, is a... How do I describe it? It's a five-letter block, five by five. Let me help you out. Grid square. The tenant uh, square, also known as the Seder square, is a two-dimensional word square containing a five-word Latin palindrome. It features in early Christian as well as magical contexts. Uh, the earliest examples of the square dates from the ruins of Pompeii, which some scholars attribute to pre-Christian origin, origins uh, like Judaism. Okay. And then, so the, the words, by the way, on the stone yeah, so are Sator, Opera, Tenet, and then, the, you know, backwards. And then, and then each word backwards, too. Right. So it would be right. wrote 
It's wild. It's a, it's yeah. it's a palindrome in every sense of it, right? It's like it's like the craziest like Sudoku puzzle kind of thing. Uh, that's the only way I can describe it. If you gotta Google and just look at it, but uh, it's it's freaking and fascinating. Each, each one of those words will come up in the movie, even the backwards one. So Seder is the most common because it's the bad guy's name, um, and this is the other one where it is opera, but also a, a paro comes up. A repo. A repo. Oh, yeah. Which is. Um, obviously opera backwards but my problem with this is this does not look like an opera even though it's an opera house uh right it that's true yeah an opera does not have the orchestra on stage no no this is this is obviously not like your your classic (laughs) opera right yeah i mean maybe nowadays that's how they do opera because there's no so i don't know what they're what what these one percenters are watching in ukraine (laughs) (laughs) that's true actually that's fair (laughs) <laughs> so I think this, and this is the main where they keep coming back to the opera house. So this is how they work in that word. Yes. Okay. okay. I'll just read to you. This is the text that they had to go off of before making <laughs> this. <clears throat> this is the first uh, words in the screenplay. Orchestra tuning, audience settling, high officials in glass boxes, toast each other, doors closing. Bam. From behind the orchestra, terrorists with machine guns burst in. The audience screams. The terrorists cover the ordinary people. The high officials are held in the boxes. The next scene is in the van. So that would be. Yeah. So, yeah. so even even in this, they're, they're going away. You know, in the edit, they're going in and out of the van a couple of times. Um, and they're showing the Did they show a clock already in this? Ooh. Uh... There's a lot of. There's a lot of like looking at watches in this movie. There are. We're gonna, Nolan... talk, we're gonna talk about that. Nolan loves watches. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't think we've seen one yet. There might be one no. The next. No, we haven't. We haven't. I promise. <laughs> I would have told you. <laughs> yeah, we have to clock every time there's a, a watch. <laughs> I. You know what? I feel like I would have taken note if there was a, a clock in the first minute. Uh, you know this. No, I don't think there is. Pe- pe- yeah. People don't know this, but I'm I'm obsessed with clocks and watches and time. So I don't think there's no clock. I would have noted that because I would have noted the time. On yeah, the clock. I would have. I would have watched. Uh, well, I I know that like I've looked up like what exact watch is this in inception and then i found that whole list of all of nolan's watches that he shows in his movies i have a couple (laughs) (laughs) which one do you have i have the interstellar watches uh so there's the there's two watches from interstellar there's the coop and the murph right but the the murph the murph Murph is the one that has the you know the second hand that that moves with gravity uh but yeah i have both they're they're great watches oh cool this movie features uh a couple they're all hamilton for the most part brands uh, this movie at the end in your minute uh, coming up has the uh, Hamilton Below Zero, which is an absolute monster of a watch. Mm. We'll talk about it when it comes up. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> There's no clock. I just checked. No clock <laughs> <Yeah>. whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't think so. I wasn't sure if there was like something on a wall or something in the van. All right. Are we red, ready to red start team's done. Let's go. Let's go blue team. Okay. Where are you starting We're from? Blue team. So again, I am so I'm not watching it backwards, just to be <laughs> sure. I am watching it forward in time like a normal human being. I am just starting at the uh, the two hour um at twenty two minute and twenty one second or a uh, two hour 
23 minutes, 21 second mark and watching to the, the 24 minute, 21 second mark, which is when, so this is the, so this is where we start off. So you're already in the car with Prima. Um, and it kind of takes place mid sentence. Uh, so I'll just tell you what the protagonist just said prior to the minute starting. That's your idea of mercy. Um, and Prima turns around and or sees who it is through the mirror, uh, sees that it's the protagonist. And he says back to her, you gave me your word. And she replies, I told you what it would be worth here today. How did you know? Because she wants to know, how'd you know? How'd you know I was here? How'd you know I was doing this? That's when he plays, um, he, he pulls out his burner phone um, and plays a voice message from, um, I'm screwing up names already because we haven't Cat. talked about her yet. Cat. Yeah, so Kat's there talking on her burner phone, leaving the very message <laughs> um, on that phone that says, uh, Cat in place, three o'clock, it's a black sedan, maybe it's nothing. Um, which comes from prior in the movie uh, when he gave her that phone. Um, and then the protagonist says, posterity. Implication being that somehow he used inverted technology to um, get this message from the future so he knew to ha be in place and have men in place to stop this hit from happening. Um, Prima was going to uh, tie up loose ends and kill Cat. Yeah, that's also that's also what he yeah. says to her when he gives her the phone, right? Because mm -hmm. he gives her a burner phone and says, and she's like, Post who's on the other side? And he's like, posterity. Post posterity. Also, posterity. there is a track on the soundtrack called Posterity. So <laughs> this one. Big deal. Deep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so posterity being um, things that you leave behind for future generations is my definition of posterity. Like what you'll be remembered by is your posterity. What will be left behind um, in the future, how future societies will judge our current society is our posterity. Um, it's got a couple of interesting meanings here. Uh, yeah. So, see anything interesting? Well, so there's all future generations of people um, and then kind of a, a, a deviation from that the descendants of a person, uh, which okay. Okay. actually plays into some interesting theories behind this, okay. behind the movie, which we should get to. <laughs> yeah, I think we should call out some theories as we go, noting that I don't think these are ever going to be confirmed by <laughs> no one. It's not his bag. He leaves it to, he leaves things to your interpretation. Um, and I, it doesn't make anything definitive. We Definitely, if you're a fan of Inception, you know that, you know, his thing is, it doesn't matter um, if, if he's in a dream or not at the end of that movie or if the top falters or if it doesn't. It falls. It falls, just to be clear. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll it's up to your interpretation okay. is what it would be. The movie, you know, the movie you experience, the movie you enjoy, that's what's important. Yes. So in this... Um, that, okay, so the main thing is he was about to kill uh, Kat just before she picks up her son outside of his um, 
hoity-toity prep school that he's uh, uh, put in. Um, uh, they then have a couple more exchanges. Um, protagonist warns her, says, I should, you should have started looking at the world differently. Prima replies, I have to tie up loose ends. And protagonist replies, that was never your job. Whose was it? Mine, is what the protagonist says. And this is where the protagonist names himself as the protagonist. That he, obviously, we watching the movie knew that because we're watching his his story. Prima in this is, this is the time when you realize Prima was the real villain of the whole movie. And is she? Uh, this seems to depict that she was, but it could also be a matter of perspective mm-hmm. because Prima seems to believe that she was in charge of this. So does he. So does he. Right. So did Seder. So yes. Right. <laughs> so, um, and Ives probably thinks he was in charge of this whole thing too. Actually, I don't think he did. Right. Because he knew he was getting these like messages from someone. Seder. Right. Asking him to do a job, basically, and being paid well to do it. Mm-hmm. So, but he, I think his, actually, yeah, and we'll probably get to this, but he thinks, I think his assumption is he's working for someone from the future who has, you know, to undo he's, climate change by destroying the whole world. Or, hmm. Hmm. I think, yeah, maybe, but the difference is Seder is doing this work as a means to an end he's getting something out of it in which he's getting to wish he's getting to live the life of a bond villain right prima and the protagonist seem to be doing this out of virtue (laughs) they don't prima does not seem to be evil even though she is about to murder uh, uh, the mother of a, a child right in front of his school um but up till this point had she really done anything evil I don't know, right? We don't we'll know. To, we'll have to dig back. This is why knowing the end might be helpful traveling through the movie. Your minute does not sync up with my minute, by the way. So oh. uh, we're just going to point that out because this is obviously after the events at the opera and that last mission. So this is... Oh, this? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Like these these are happening at different times. Right. So we're not, um, quite, we're not quite palindromed right now. No, that's true. Uh, we'll be more closely related in the next minute. So this this minute this minute takes place somewhere between the end of the operation at the opera and the operation at Stalag. That's both happening. Those two events are happening concurrently. This right. happens at some period afterwards. Yes. Which would also mean the middle of the movie. Neil and the protagonist are all running around in space and time somewhere in, in the world that this is happening in. Yes. Uh, which really makes you think, where does this fall for Kat? Is this before she meets the protagonist even? In, I don't, no, she has the phone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, because she, she travels backwards also. But then she, but she can't take the place of her current living self. How does that work? She would have. Th- where does this take place? <laughs> okay, this is what we got. <laughs> this, this is our job. <laughs> oh, 
you're right. When does this minute takes place in some abstract timeline where she uh, because after the events of the finale of this movie, after she dives off the boat, she then has to travel through time this, at the same rate all of us travel through time, waiting for the point where she gets picked up by the protagonist. Or no, she gets picked up by Seder, shot, inverted, and then she starts that journey backwards. She has to go back to that point in living time and then take that's when she can take the place of herself. So that would imply all the events of the movie took place, and this is the first time she's meeting her son after she had to wait several weeks to get back to that point in time when she started inverting herself. Oh, that's, and, yeah. And that's why Prima couldn't interfere until they cleared that barrier. Um, because then she would have inserted herself into the narrative between the protagonist, Seder, and everything that's already going on. She can't do it, yeah. She right. can't do it, and that's why she has the phone, and she knows she's being tailed by somebody, or she doesn't know. She assumes that was her instructions. If anything seems out of place, just put the you know make a note of it on this phone. I'll get it in the future. So the, the protagonist we see is from even further in the future. We have to assume. This, I mean, he's we we cannot even begin to dissect that timeline. <laughs> yeah. No, but okay. This see that's okay that. But in the movie theater, watching this last minute, so much happens in this last minute, but your mind is flipping, doing backflips, <laughs> trying to figure out what the, how Neil opened the door going backwards and all that stuff. Like, and why he, you know, your, your head's already doing so many gymnastics. You probably don't pay attention to this. Um, but that's what, what happens. And then um, uh, the protagonist says, uh, I realized I wasn't working for you. We've both been working for me. I'm the protagonist. And Prima knows what that means. She says, you better tie up loose ends. He does. He shoots her in the back. And he, he states, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George Bush. Let's, uh... <laughs> uh, he looks across the road. And that's when we see the mother and the son meet. Uh, wordlessly. But a voiceover from um, Neil comes over the movie and he's picking up a voiceover that started in the minute prior so next episode we'll talk about the first part of this uh, voiceover and neil goes on to say but it's the bomb that didn't go off the danger nobody knew was real which is obviously speaking about cat in that moment the bomb that didn't go off. Yeah, like that, the bomb, for her, the bomb that didn't go off is she didn't get shot. She didn't get shot, right. but also time didn't get sucked into itself. Right. Um, the, like the, the idea, it's a very... It's a metaphor. <laughs> well, it's not a metaphor. It's a... What's the word? It's a, it's an overloaded Al Allegory. Yeah. Allegory, yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, and the final, the final thing he says is that's the real power to change the world. So it's the bomb that didn't go off. That's the real power to change uh, the world. And then the protagonist watches Cat and Max walk away. Max offers Cat his hand. And we fade out. Credits. <laughs> so it's interesting with the theory that possibly the boy, whose name is Max, is Neil. 
which we just let's just state that and maybe we'll pick that up other threads because that, there's so much i i actually don't time travel works if that's possible i i don't believe it by the way i don't believe the theory i don't mind the theory i don't mind it but i don't believe it and uh we'll I, talk about why when we get deeper into the movie okay i think my last thing i'm gonna hinge on is um just with the mechanics of time travel i've looked this up a couple of times the question i have is do you age in reverse when you are inverted yeah i think so right i mean if we're like if we're gonna get in if we're gonna buy into the physics of what's happening right because hot is cold cold is hot right then you would think that yeah you actually do yeah but so by that logic then if neil inverted himself back to his childhood time he would be a child he would not no longer cease to be a grown man he would have because you can only go through time as fast as you can right now you go backwards in time the same speed at which you go forwards in time currently right so if you do age in reverse and it's shown that you can heal in reverse like when they pull cat through that would imply that that can't be neil because then Neil would have to be a, a much younger, Neil would have to be a child in that scenario. There's no way you can travel back to a time when you were 13 years old and not be the exact same age as your current self. Mm. But I'm not sure that that's the case. I, I, and I think the movie tends to cherry pick what, what in being inverted means. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm on board for it. I'm, I'm also on board for it not being Neil. Um, but I, I mean, I'm Neil just being a part of the story, uh, yeah. as we see him, not anything extra. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into it some more. We'll I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he is. I don't think. I don't think he is Max. I just don't. Uh, and I don't think Cat yeah. is his mom. So. Awesome. Yeah. And movie. Yes. And <laughs> end, end movie. Uh, um, yes. I think we're off to a good start here. Okay. I also think that uh, our analysis went on a lot longer than we thought it would. So <laughs> we might we might need to contain ourselves. <laughs> Maybe, but there's just so. And these were my my minute was pretty uneventful. Just wait, <laughs> <laughs> just wait for that next episode. But uh, no, I think uh, that was great. Okay. Anyway, thank you all for listening to the Tenant Man podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, uh, please take a moment to rate and review this on whatever service you happen to be listening on. Uh, And until next time. I'll see you at the beginning, friend. See you at the beginning, friend.